this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, we're discussing recycling. What are the pros and cons and should we be doing more? So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be speaking or I have been speaking about um, some definitions to help raise your consciousness about ethical and sustainable issues that affect us all. So what I'm actually using to guide this conversation is the Good On You Glossary for Sustainable Fashion. And um, they provide some really great points and insights um, to sustainability that everyone should know about. So each week I'm taking one of the topics and discussing it a bit more, in a bit more detail here. So if you want to follow that conversation, um, I can send you the link to the glossary. And that is um, on Instagram again, Global Fashion Marketplace. Just DM me and I'll send you the link and then you can follow up on some of the definitions that we've been speaking about. So today we are talking about recycling and I'm really excited about this conversation. We've got some great people here. Chandru, I can see there, a recycling expert. And we've got Samuel in the room as well. And I'm sure we're going to have um, plenty more people that want to share um, their thoughts on this topic. So I'm just going to do my introduction to the topic and pose the first question. Then you can raise your hand and come up and share your thoughts. And then I've got a few interesting points that I'd like to delve into today as well. So, um recycling is the action of converting waste into something new so when we talk about circular fashion recycling our waste always comes up as a positive option to keeping clothing out of landfill so if we consider that polyester makes up 65 percent of fibers used in textiles people generally think that recycling plastics into clothing is a great idea so My first question is, and I've got a few points off the back of that um, question. So what are the challenges and pitfalls of recycling plastic-based clothing? So this is really a question just to frame the topic for people that are not sure why there might be challenges or why it might not be a good good idea to recycle plastic into clothing. But then there may also be some points why, why it is a good idea. So we would like to discuss a few of these things but basically plastic does not biodegrade so that's one of the points that um people make about plastics and it can take up to 450 years for plastics to biodegrade plastics um are harsh on the environment and workers so from the water usage to the toxic toxic dying process and also they are associated with the fossil fuel industry. And the big issue as well is microfibers. So their microfibers are working their way into marine life and even into humans. So if you don't know what a microfiber is, microfiber is the tiny bits of plastic that are shed by clothing. So clothes and towels and things like that made from synthetic fibers and fabrics. So every single time they're washed, and this includes recycled synthetic fabrics, and they make their way into the oceans by the billions. So these are some of the challenges with with using recycled plastic and using plastic in clothing. So if you guys want to raise your hand and come up and, and we'll discuss these challenges first, and then we'll move on to the 
to the next part of the conversation. So, so these challenges and pitfalls, does anyone want to come and raise their hand and speak on some of these points about plastic in clothing? Hey, welcome to the Sustainable Fashion Podcast. What are your thoughts about these challenges that I've mentioned? Hi there. Hi, Vicola. Um, this is my first time on a green room, so uh, I'm just no, working yeah. through how it how it's all functioning. Um, yeah, so my name is Radina of uh, Tree Forest Studios. So it's the independent uh, sustainable luxury label that I started. Um, I do have a background and professional uh, design designer experience within sportswear and fashion apparel. So this is um, in terms of synthetics and recycled synthetics this is something that I have um, handled firsthand um, in the day-to-day of the of the job Um, um, last in 2019 when I was still working um, with various um, brands and clients when I was based in Barcelona so um, yeah it's an interesting topic because of the uh, you know the big difficulty is the microplastics and lots of brands from the big ones that we all know and admire such as Patagonia you know they've come across this um, challenge um, to um, smaller more independent labels that are just coming into it and maybe doing an activewear collection Um, so it's it's interesting and I have worked in Adidas and Adidas by Stel McCartney before um, as a as a technical designer working on the various collections and categories with the team um, also in Puma Lifestyle so regardless of um, whether it's just streetwear or performing for running or yoga or any other active category um, it's amazing how integral synthetics are to our our daily lives um and even if it's not very active just the functional aspect so untangling ourselves from synthetics and plastics um is um is something that is going to take some time because you know structurally this is how it's been for such a long time for so many decades um but there are lots of um catalysts and lots of shifts going on and um, a lot of biomaterials that are actually intelligent enough to take the functions that we've needed through the synthetic fabrics, whether it's sweat wicking or, you know, moisture wicking, whether it's, um, you know, water resistance. Some of these, and I've talked to some suppliers, you know, Spanish or French based that, that do this now with, natural fibers or they've figured out a way that the treatment that goes onto the fabric um it can do that and you can use say whether it's merino wool or cotton um and uh, yeah so it's it's a really exciting time at the moment for designers and all kinds of businesses that want to do better to to find different solutions um yeah. but at yeah. the same time i think the synthetics and recycling the plastics, they'll still play a part, but we just have to think about, um, you know, make sure, making sure they, um, you know, they don't create a bigger problem and end up 
continue ending up in um, in the oceans, in waterways, and think about maybe the the you know the washing machine side of yeah. things. You know, there's making sure that people put a stop on it. Yeah, there's a few tips that I have on um, basically how to manage microfibers, but I think the public doesn't really know about the issue and how big it is. Exactly. So that's, that's one thing why we're having this conversation raising your consciousness. I think that's the biggest issue that we have, but then also that plastic's not biodegrade. I know we've got Samuel here and we've got Chandru also. So I'm going to just recap because we've got a few more people in the room. So today we're talking about recycling and um, is it Redina? Redina, that's correct. Redina, yes. Yeah, Redina's just given really good insights into her work and and, and what's going on in, in the industry, if you caught that. Um, so basically, what are the challenges and pitfalls of recycling plastics into clothing? So that's what we're really looking at. Um, apparently, 65% of fibres um, used in textiles are polyester. And so plastic is really prevalent and it's not the best on the environment, the toxic dyeing process, and um, the, the fact that it can't biodegrade. So um, I'm going to pass to Chandru first, because I know um, Samuel might still want a little bit more time to listen to the conversation before he jumps in. So Chandru, you are actually our recycling expert, and I know you do work in this field that we're talking about, um, recycling plastics into fashion. That's something that you work on. Um, so it will be interesting to get your thoughts on this. This conversation is an open conversation. Whether it's a good or bad thing, that's not what we're looking at. We're just trying to... Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can. I can hear you. I can. I can hear hi, you as well. Awesome. I think we lost Bukola. Hi, Samuel. Hi, Rodina. Great to meet you. Uh, yes, uh, we've uh, been running a business here in South Africa for over twenty years now, recycling PET bottles. And uh, PET is actually polyester. Um, I think what helps. Oop, are you back, Bukola? Yeah, yeah. You disappeared for a moment, so I didn't hear anything you just said. Speaking. <laughs> Apologies. So, yeah, I think what helps in this uh, debate is a bit of context. I think for all uh, the noise we hear these days about polyester and its role in fashion, uh, we forget it's actually been around a hell of a long time. And one of the reasons polyester evolved to what it was, was a substitute for cotton, which given its cost dynamics, pricing dynamics, and its own environmental impact uh, mixed in with a growing global population, which across six, seven billion, and by the end of this decade will be eight billion, meant it had a very important role to play for garments globally, uh, especially in those parts of the world where they can't afford organic cotton and the like uh, products. And in terms of you know using bottles to make fashion from it, the other stats that are, you know, gives sort of relevance to all of this 
um, is we use north of 20 million tons of polyester made from fossil fuels every year for garments alone. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the other products. We probably barely use 1% of that made from recycled source. So the notion that using bottles um, to recycle into garments is a bad thing detracts from the notion that if we didn't do that, then we actually get left with more bottles in the waste stream. So I think just to give it context and perspective, it's good to know what the numbers are. It's good to know what the role of polyester and other synthetics are. Uh, they're vital for a lot of consumers who can't afford the alternatives. Um, and the reality is it's here to stay. As long as populations grow, the notion that we can phase it out uh, is probably unrealistic and also impractical from the standpoint that the alternatives leave their own environmental scar on the planet. So just yeah. a little bit of perspective that might help. Yeah, I do have a question going into some of the points that you mentioned, but I'm going to hand it over to Samuel if Samuel wants to talk about the pitfalls before I go into my next question. Um, and it is about the alternatives and the challenges with some of the alternatives. So I don't want to divert the conversation yet. Um, Samuel, do you have anything to say about the challenges? What is your your take on it? I mean, I, I think just that... Um... You know, the, the challenges that I see is just the, the ubiquity of, um, of of fabrics that are not uh, natural fibers. And, and you know, <laughs> just yesterday, I was um, with a friend of mine, and I, and she's like, "Oh, what do you think of this?" I'm like, Does, "Is it is it poly?" She goes, "No, it's viscose." I was like, "Oh, babe." Um, and so you know, it's it's um, I think that there's just so much education in terms of what. Uh, you know, a textile is and, and how it's made, um, you know, before we can even really start to break apart, um, you know, which ones are, are great, you know, and better for the environment, for our bodies, um, you know, for something that is circular. But, um, you know, that's not something that I necessarily have an answer for. It's just something that I've, I've noticed. Um, but I'll, I'll uh, gladly follow you to the next yeah, yeah, yeah. My next question just ties in um, really well, and um, with Dino, jump in whenever you want as well. So it ties in really well with what Chandru was saying and your points that you've just made. So it's about okay. So I, I'll pose the question in a way that 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 is palatable, so we can break down each section. So I'm thinking what I'm thinking about is if consumers want to demand products that are better for them from producers. So that's the context that, that we're looking at. But as Samuel was saying, do people even know enough about what goes into the products to demand better products? So the question is, are more natural fibres and less synthetic fibres better? Which is, which is actually better? Do consumers understand the difference between natural fibres and synthetic fibres? Because natural doesn't always equal better for the environment so we've got things like farmed cotton and leather that also have like controversy attached to them when it comes to sustainability so do i need to pose that question again or do you understand the question and anyone jump in on that i 
So basically, what 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 is what is better, natural fibers, synthetic fibers, and do so, consumers uh, like? If, yeah. So Go ahead. If I could, I mean, uh, one uh, uh, myth about uh, polyester is that it's it's a bad plastics. Uh, actually, it's not. It's probably the most inert plastic that we have. And the toxicity that you alluded to, uh, which resides mainly in the dye stuffs. Uh, in fact, people might know, not know, the highest carbon footprint element of a garment is in the dyeing process. So whether you're dyeing a polyester fabric or a cotton fabric or a nylon or a rayon or whatever it is or hemp, um, actually leaves all of them with an environmental impact that needs to be considered. But polyester is actually remarkably inert uh, and doesn't do, you know, the harm that other plastics do. So just to give it uh, some additional context as well. Yeah. Okay, so what what are your thoughts, Samuel and Regina, about synthetic versus natural fibres? Um, yeah, that's a really good point, and I agree with uh, Chandra that um, there has been so much. Uh, it's very confusing when maybe um, the average consumer is not in the industry, and and like Samuel said, there is so much education to go into this um, that even when you're in the industry, you learn new things all the time. So it's definitely. Um, good to sort of see everything as a as a precious resource because at the end of the day um, we we are left with mountains worth of plastic waste so we might as well use it and use it wisely and there are so many um, sophisticated ways to make use of the synthetics and um, going back to the point where uh, Chandru said about the um, the dye stuffs that actually have the highest toxicity levels. Um, I remember when I was working in Inditex, so I was on the Join Life initiative as the coordinator from Pull and Bear, and I was on my training, and the size of the manuals and how many chemicals are um, either regulated, prohibited, or accepted, I mean, these things are thousands of pages long, and they're constantly updated, so if these are the experts that are in the quality control team and the sourcing team that are looking at the chemical makeup of, of things and, you know, maybe just looking at the the the, uh, the dye for the textiles. Um, I mean, this is why it gets so, so complex. But um, at the end of the day, uh, if we're looking just purely at fabrics, it's it's something that is um, a necessity and it's a resource and it's and it comes down to just responsibly managing it so and having a balance seeing okay we have this what can we do with it because it does exist so let's not make plastic evil and cotton good because that doesn't work either yeah uh, I've got just to make on that as well so yeah. I'm glad you brought that up um, but before I make my point Samuel what what are you thinking and, and, and Medina if you want to continue that's fine uh, yeah no problem go ahead yeah so um, before I pull up the points about cotton, I don't know if Samuel has anything to add at this stage. Oh no, I mean I I um I know what I know about cotton and and you know sort of the uh, the ills of um, you know the industry. It is vis-a-vis you know what 
um, what can happen to a farmer uh, and and also the um, you know, the uh, the ecosystem around those yeah. um, you know the, 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 that uh, that uh, farming but um, you know I, I think that those kinds of stories you know the more that they're told and the more it's presented as a humanitarian issue as well as uh, you know a, a, an ecological one I think that that really sort of puts a puts in uh, makes the framework much more uh, understandable as you know natural isn't necessarily good it's just yeah. um, you know it, it really depends on 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 um, on you know on where it's coming from and how it's you know being produced but um, you know I, I do think that the human element might might actually be a, a, a an effective way of um, of communicating these kinds of stories and, and raising them yeah, so I'm just going to bring the points home just so that um, Samuel was referring to, just so everyone's clear in the picture of what we're discussing. And then I'm going to just circle back to like the plastic versus the synthetic versus um, natural fibres. So some of the issues with cotton, which is not organic cotton, which is farmed cotton, is like the water usage, so water consumption. And then there's also the pesticides and fertilizers, so chemicals used again. And then as Samuel was um, referring to the low incomes for like um, farmers and forced child labor, and also modern day slavery involved in that. And then soil depletion, and then just the pressure on the land for the future. So there's some of the points that the challenges with um, cotton particularly and then if you look at leather as well there's a whole vegan movement that is um coming in these days and and the, the idea that um cows actually produce more methane which is a um, greenhouse gas which is actually affecting our environment as well i don't know if chandru can pick up on the points that i've made about some of these natural um fibers versus synthetic what where where do we get the balance if these are challenges as well when we're looking at natural fibers so Bukula, if you look at the history of fabrics it obviously started with organics thousands of years ago and as long as the population that you were trying to clothe were manageable numbers there was actually never any space for synthetics but what became clear very soon i think it might have been in the 1950s or 1960s is that you need land to grow cotton. You need land to grow organics. You need water. You need fertilizers. You need manpower. And all of that adds up to a cost. And I think when they, when they did it both from a financial costing standpoint and an environmental costing standpoint, it just became very clear that it wasn't sustainable to think that, you know, 8 billion people can all live off cotton clothing. So that's kind of where the point of departure came and kind of opened the door to synthetics. Sadly, you know, they're bad actors in every industry, and we're seeing it now in fast fashion industry. They've just turbocharged synthetics and taken it to a level, to I think, which Samuel was alluding to. It's just got us buying stuff that we just don't need to be buying. And that's what's fueling this uh, debate that's going on out there. So, based on that, that's really interesting, Chandru. 
So based on that, would you say that the issue with synthetics is more the overconsumption rather than the actual fact that they are plastic-based? So not in the beginning, uh, but definitely. I mean, like I told you, in excess of 20 million tons of polyester a year goes into garments. Now, does it mean uh, without fast fashion it would be zero? No, but it certainly wouldn't be 20 million. That's what yeah. And Regina, Samuel, what are your thoughts on this? Based based on the challenges with some of the, the um, natural fibres that we've discussed and comparing that with the synthetics. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good point indeed. And um, in terms of natural resources that are needed to create natural fibres such as um, cotton, um, that's where... Um, if we work intelligently with a balance of, um, or at least the brands, um, the larger brands, which um, obviously will have the larger consumption and they will have the largest impact, um, they need to use uh, recycled and synthetics in general wisely, but um, as Chandru pointed out, of course they haven't um, since we do have the um, fast fashion industry and retailers still going strong because at the end of the day they do provide a very good value price point that most people seek out um, and that's the challenge to um, move them away from that to understand that more needs to be done and really businesses and large brands have a greater responsibility than the consumer because they they are much more informed on these issues and how to tackle them and that's why and if they're not they they need to have seek out the uh, the changes that they need to uh, create um, in order to hit um, better targets on uh, you know, responsible um, yeah. production and in terms of development goals, environmental development goals and so on and so forth. Yeah. I do have a question on that as well. So if we say that plastics and um, synthetics are fossil fuel driven from the fossil fuel industry, um, I'm, I'm other alternatives are maybe plant-based fa fabrics. Um, I know cotton has its challenges, but there's other things like hemp and linen and things like that, which are not widely, is widely used. So is it realistic to think that we could move out of a fossil fuel driven industry when it comes to fashion and move into a plant-based industry? Would that work at all? Or is that like not realistic for the type of clothing we wear and the the amount of people that need to be clothed well, I, I think from a um you know, looking at it from uh, a historical um you know like a costume history standpoint which is what i always um go back to just because it's my 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 base um chandra i'm not sure if, if uh, you had mentioned when you were talking about um dye stuffs but you know, the the first synthetic dye is I think 1856 it's made from coal tar um, and it's uh, it's a purple and traditionally purple 
um, was the most expensive dye because they had to like crush up mollusks to make it. And that's like, it was, you know, a royal color. And so, you know, I think that there's so much, you know, in the, the notion of, you know, how we color our clothing that, um, that might be, you know, really so important to take a look at. Uh, Chandra, thank you for really raising that because I hadn't thought about, you know, just, just how, um, how consumer driven, um, you know, these, these products have been for so, so long. And it, it's, um, it's kind of really fascinating because, you know, they're, they're back then they're dying natural fabrics. Right. And then if you think about Florence, I think the, um, uh, is, is that the Arno? The, the river was like hugely toxic because, um, all of the tanneries would just dump everything into, uh, the river. And that was centuries before 1856. So it's, it's not, I think, just the fabrics or, or the raw goods. It's, it's what we do to them and you know, what we deem to be pretty or valuable or in fashion or any of those things. And so it's, it's a really, um, I'm sorry, I'm just like coming to terms with all of that, really. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really interesting, you know, just, just how much um, you know, man has done to create pretty things. But, I mean, short of sumptuary laws, uh, which you know, limit what uh, your, the average person can acquire um i don't know uh how we turn uh the dial back on that except for it coming from um you know quote-unquote chase makers and um and the driving yeah and uh, i know chandri mentioned before that about one percent of um plastics is, is recycled um into clothing or something along those lines so i'm wondering should be if the products are already out there like I think um, Medina has mentioned as well, brought, brought into the conversation, should we just be recycling more then? Is that the answer? I think so. Um, not recycling suggests that there's more waste ending up in the environment or the oceans. We, we certainly don't want that. But for me, the big challenge is, you know, and I've spoken about it before, is design. If you don't design products to have an end of life, then you can't recycle it. And for me, as much as the fashion industry talks about synthetics versus organics, talks about fast fashion, its biggest challenge remains, and maybe Radina can talk to this, that irregardless of what fabric you use, how do you deconstruct a garment at end of life and give it a new life? I think that's the unspoken element to all of this where we really should be focusing our attention yeah yeah i like that and i I like the way the conversation has been unexpected i didn't know i i assumed that people just come on and say oh plastics get rid of it it's terrible but obviously from this conversation it's been really enlightening you guys have really put that perspective that actually maybe recycling is a good thing and we need more of it and it might be um, a case of managing the microfibers and there's a few tips a few ways that we can do that as consumers that I might be able to go into as well but um, on the on the back of this um, Regina do you want to add something? Yes um, so uh, in addition um, there was a well actually it was the first ever um, sustainable fashion fair in Barcelona where um, when I was working there with a with a supplier brand, um, 
and we were presenting alongside various other businesses, students and platforms um, talking about, yeah, new ways of doing things, more innovative um, ways from recycling to new fabrics or biomaterials. Um, there they discussed one of the speakers. She was from Italy. I wish I could tell you her name right now, but she's a, a prominent figure in art and she was talking about precious plastic. So I believe that's the name of the project. But it was really interesting, especially at a time where people have a very um, fixed view based on what they're told uh, by the media and by fashion brands about polyester, synthetics, plastics. And she turned that around and said, well, this is, you know, we have a lot of this um, resource and in the future it's it's actually going to be here for such a long time it doesn't biodegrade um, why don't we just make it valuable again as it was initially as it is still in our everyday life whether it's our um, gym outfit or whether it's something that we have on the table um, it's it's a good way to look at it and to treat it treat it as something of value so there's plenty more to be recycled and um in terms of breaking down garments as chandra, chandra mentioned um so there is mechanical recycling which is basically where you you shred it and there's various sized machines that you can see at uh, recycling um facilities whether it's in a um you know, a factory at a at a supplier brand so that they can take back clothing. And But then it's tricky because when you have material mixes in one garment and when it says 50% cotton, 25% recycled polyester, 25% polyester, I mean, that's the challenge because um, then you need, you know, this is something that's um, still highly... Um, investigated and studied on how to make recycling garments with different mixes easier yeah, yeah. at a mass scale because right now it's um, from a designer your responsibility is to say okay well then um, I just want to make sure I'm designing something that will have a long life that is of value um, so for example in the blanket scarves I do at the moment they're eco-terry but they're made in London um, I make them so that they can last a long time, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're hand finished, but of high quality, but also I do silk. So it's, I already have a fabric mix there and I don't discriminate based on whether it's a natural or a synthetic, they all have a role to play, but I'm always thinking, hmm, but how can we do better or what's new out there? Um, of course, the easiest is when you have a mono material um, outfit and then you can say right well just chuck it in the shredder <laughs> we'll, we'll make a new one you know to suit the new the new trends and tastes and preferences um, so yeah there are there are a lot of factors to consider but um, I, I hope that brings some oh, more in well welcome to my world <laughs> yeah um, packaging relatively speaking is a lot easier but we struggle with mixed materials. And you talk about a, a poly-cotton material, let's not forget the button. Let's not forget the stitching. 
You know, there might be a zip on there. Oh, all the trim. They might have put some. I agree. There you go. Oh, it's, it's a minefield so, as a designer oh as well. Oh my lord! So suddenly yeah, you realize I, that it's not the fact that the fabric was synthetic that's the problem. The problem is, irregardless of what the garment was made from, how do you design it to be recycled? That's the big challenge. Sorry, Samuel. No, no, I'm, um, I, I've just, uh, you know, I, I've had an idea from this, and you know, it's I'm not sure if this is the space for it, but you know, if we're talking about these kinds of things, um, you know, I think it'd be really interesting if, um, because you know, there, there is this notion of notions ha you know there there is this thing of you know like you don't necessarily know what has gone into a garment before you you know before you start to take it apart or if you have a whole lot of them and um you know the, the you know every different um manufacturer uh is you know using different standards or qualities and you know this that and the other you know it would be really interesting for there to be sort of an onerous upon the manufacturer uh and and sort of like a um you know, like a, not necessarily a buyback, but like a drop kind of, so it's like at the end of every season, no matter what season the stuff is from, you can give the designer back their clothes so that they know what is in each skew essentially. And they're obligated to then take those apart and reuse those. And then you can get a credit or something or, or, you know, or, you know, first, you know, first, um, you know, uh, you know, right of, right of, uh, purchase or whatever it is uh, from that same designer but then it becomes something where it really is circular in as much as you buy something at Prada and you return it to Prada and Prada turns it something in turns it back into another Prada thing um yeah. and it kind of speaks to you know like when things are precious you know the, again costume history like there's not very much clothing that exists from like pre 17th century because all of that clothing before then was made into clothing that progressed there. So like you could be looking at a dress from the 18th century and then realize that it was woven, the fabric was woven in the 15th century because the stuff was just so valuable and people just kept reusing it and remaking things. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's something that, that we've done. And so it could be really interesting to, to, uh, to to find a way to bring that to a space that is still, for lack of a better word, based in capitalism in some way so that nobody, you know, starts to freak out that they can't produce stuff, but to really make it about, um, you know, stopping an overproduction of raw goods when there's enough out there and you can reuse it, especially if you knew what it was when you made it. Yeah. So Samuel, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the growing global movement now of what they call mandatory extended producer responsibility. And when you make the producer responsible to take it back, guess what he does? He's suddenly very mindful about how he designed it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Because if he doesn't have to take it back and it's someone else's problem, then, you know, as you put in your picture before, uh, stack it high and sell it cheap. That's from you, sir. You plagiarized yeah. me, Samuel. I was inspired by. Damn I recycled you, it. You. <laughs> touché, touché. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really love the way this conversation is going. You guys are amazing, and um, 
Yeah, I've got we've got about twenty more minutes. I've got two more questions. Um so we can just dig into these two questions and um I definitely think Samuel what you're saying based on what um Medina and Chandru have inputted as well, that technology definitely plays a part in that traceability aspect of what is actually what the garments are made of. I think um people do think um when they think about traceability, like who made the clothes and things like that, that's important. But what's in the clothes is definitely really important when it comes to recycling as well. So um that's just one point that I just wanted to make on that. Um so the the question that I have now is that do cons- consumers know the difference between the fabrics that are in the, that their clothes are made from? It does seem like a bit of a minefield. At, at how knowledgeable are consumers, would you say, on this topic? Um people that are not in the fashion industry when they're going to choose garments and they're, they're going to choose the clothing. Is there enough transparent information out there to help them make their choices? Um, so um, straight away, I will say no, <laughs> there is not enough that um, is out there or it's very confusing because there's a lot of information. Um, so I think people feel overwhelmed and overloaded with um, so many brands saying that they're doing um, various steps. Um, they're using you know, certain certain fabrics or they're minimizing um, the use of um, this, that and the other. So purely focusing on, on fabrics, they, they'll say they're using recycled polyesters, but they might not delve too deep or provide a lot of ways for the consumers to maybe find out further. Um, so it does lend itself to um, greenwashing. Um, but on the other hand, it is surprising even from the industry when you think, you know, a few sort of basic general, um, uh, yeah, facts on how it works. And, um, you know, you, you, t- you say about the take back collection schemes that many brands have, even at retailer level, such as Zara and Pull&Bear where I did used to work and, um, and, and people say, Oh really? And you know, they, they didn't realize it. They didn't know. Um, I think now in the last even 12 to 24 months, it's far more widespread, but sometimes they're, they're still surprised. They didn't, don't realize they get a discount or um, some of the things that when you're in the industry, you're very familiar with. So I think that there is much to be learned and a lot of information needs to be aligned so that there are certain standards to to be met, um, and of which there are, um, but still consumers feel very confused and sometimes overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And even from this conversation, I, I wonder if anyone wants to jump in on that. We've got Clementina join us as well, amazing. So it's great to have you. I'm going to just reset the conversation a little bit so Clementina knows what we're talking about today so basically we're talking about recycling so the idea that polyester makes up more than 65 percent of fibers and using textile people generally think that recycling plastics into clothing is a great idea so we talked about the pitfalls of recycling so things like um, plastic not being biodegradable and um the toxic dyeing process and the fact that the um 
product is fossil fuel um, from the fossil fuel industry and then the big issue of microfibers. But then we've we've had a really great conversation um, that has led us to understand that not the proportion of clothing being made and the proportion of clothing being recycled is not balanced. I think Chandra mentioned less than 1% of clothing is recycled and then the pressures on the environment um, by just producing more new stuff is um, something that we need to address. So the idea that we should be recycling more is actually where we've got to in this conversation, that it's actually not necessarily the worst thing. There's challenges with natural fibres. So things like farmed cotton, modern slavery and things, um, pressure on the land and all that with a growing population. Um, Yeah, so that's where we are, Clementina. And now we're just talking about do consumers know the difference between the fabrics in their clothes? And we, we also talked a little bit about the recycling process or how challenging that is to know what's in the clothing to make it recyclable and breaking down the garments and things like that to actually make it possible to be recycled. And a great point that came out from Samuel was that making the producers responsible, taking having a, a take-back kind of scheme where they have to take back the product um, and remake it into something new would be great. And Chandri did bring up the um, extended producer responsibility that we're trying to push forward. And that really aligns with what Samuel was talking about. So it's definitely like been a really positive conversation. And my question really is on this, like, what are the steps? As Redina was mentioning, it's a minefield for consumers. So what are the steps? Where do we go from here? This Raising Your Consciousness podcast is about recycling. It's, it's raising your consciousness. We're having the conversation, but this is going to go out on other platforms. People are going to get to listen to this. But how do they know the difference between synthetic, between natural, between plant-based, between all the other things and what's good, what's bad? Where do we start? So anyone can jump in on that. Just um, really quickly before we uh, go too far from it, I, I um, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about consumer and the consumer, you know, it's very telling because, you know, here I am thinking, you know, bring your things back to Prada and Prada makes something for you. And then Regina, you know, made the very, you know, obvious point that I, that I admitted that, you know, these things are happening, but it's at the level of a Zara or an H&M. And so, you know, it's a very different scale, right? And, and the, the stuff, is just the product is so different, and so is the consumer. Um, what I ultimately think, though, is that at the end of the day, there's so few well-made pieces of clothing that are still out there that are either at the designer level or accessible, even in, in a vintage setting, that people just don't know what something should feel like in your hand and like the weight should be and like what, you know, how it should feel on your body. Um, you know, I do think that designers, even though the quality has gone down, that, that, that their fitting has still remained, um, you know, rather, um, uh, you know, above par. And, and so that's sort of why we keep going to it. Uh, and, and a lot of the finishes, but, um, I think that somehow we need to really, people need to be able to access, you know, like what a really beautiful, you know, wool coat feels like and looks like and and um and is because i just don't know how many people really get that and i think that once they see it 
they'll start to figure it out pretty easily. But that was just something that um, I, I had in my head, and, and I wanted to um, make sure that I just had said that. But okay. Yeah, I agree, because there's definitely a difference between a fast fashion product, how it feels, and, and the lifespan of that product by the time you've washed it several times and used it a, a, a certain amount, then these um, schemes by H&M is how these fast fashion um, brands make sense in that respect because their products would probably need to go back a lot quicker. So um, I understand what you're saying in, in respect to that. I don't know if Clementina has anything to add or Vidina. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point from Samuel. So, I mean, the amount of things when you're in a in a company like that as a as a designer um the amount of product sent twice a week so on a bi-weekly basis sent globally into the stores is astonishing it feel and then you just realize the it's it's a galaxy out there of products of garments made out of multiple fabric um fibers and fabrics um just thrown out into various retail outlets across the world and then <laughs> you, you realize the scale of it is um is something that needs to be tackled very much collectively and uh so the fact that they do take back schemes it's great and of course with everything that's a sort of um environmentally conscious or a sustainable solution it's always a cost-effective solution as it's proven time and time again through business strategists through um, consultants such as McKinsey Um, they've done various studies on it so of course uh, on the business side it's it's great for the larger larger companies and and groups to do so with the take-back schemes Um, but it's it should be always part of a multi-pronged plan um, to provide greater solutions and and do better from the very start. And and actually, um, apart from the designing, um, uh, I know this is kind of off topic, but the logistics of it and actually the packaging of that, um, that's something that uh, actually sometimes has a bigger footprint than the garments themselves that are being shipped to the consumer. And I think yeah. also to that end, just the notion of hanger appeal and how much is made just to be purchased and not necessarily thought of when it's being worn. It's it's designed to be you know, um, enticing. And then once you put it on your body, it's sort of who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I think I think ultimately, the, uh, for me, these buyback schemes from very large companies reads as much more as a PR move than a sustainable. Yeah. Yes. And it's, um, it's some, you know, it's a, it's a good step in the right direction, but I agree more needs to be done and they certainly have the capacity to offer more sophisticated solutions or to invest um, more time and resources into finding those solutions. Yeah, definitely. I, I, really I, I think I cut Chandra off though earlier. No, that's fine. Um, I'm going to try and see. I'm, I'm not sure Clementina can speak. I've, I think she's having technical issues, but we'll just give um, 
Clementina want opportunity to try and jump in? If she if she doesn't get in, then I'm going to move on to the final question. We've got about ten minutes, and um, I think she unmuted. You. She was there. Yeah, can can we hear you, Clementina? Come in, Clementina. Come in. We see you. We yeah, I think she's having. I think she's having technical difficulties. I'll pose my question, and maybe she can try and resolve it before we finish. Um, change devices or something like that, if if that's possible for her to do that and come back in. But um, in the meantime, what are the environmental consequences of continuing to use plastic in our clothing? So we we know now that we need to be recycling more and we know the challenges of recycling. But I just want to, to think about plastics in terms of the amount that Chandru said is being produced. And if we continue to produce that amount of, of clothing with plastics in it, what are the, what are the consequences? So ironically enough, plastics evolved to become plastics because it has the lowest carbon footprint. So if we envisage a world now where there is no more plastic in clothing and it all goes to natural fabrics, the sad reality is you're probably going to leave a bigger environmental scar uh, than you have. And we've talked about it earlier in terms of the you know, water footprint and chemical footprint. Not to mention, you know, we're running out of land, which we desperately need for food. Uh, and again, uh, a sign of our overconsumption lives that we live. So the reality is that the substitutes are not always better and in many cases do more harm. But the good news, Bukola, as you know, governments are now stepping in and they're going to force the brand owners to do the maths. Uh, have the data verified by independence and actually give that information to the consumer. So case in point is the French law that was passed last month on eco-labeling, which I think will be copy and pasted all over the world eventually. Amazing. Yeah, does anyone, Redina, Samuel, have any anything to add on the consequences? Or, like, I like the idea that or the, the notion that we've come to agree on in this conversation that recycling is, plastics is not actually a bad thing and it probably needs to be done more. And then that whole responsibility of the producer to take back their products and rework it into something else. Um, that's That's been really, really great um, insights on this conversation. I don't know. We're just going to wrap up now in the last few minutes of this um, podcast. So I don't know if Samuel and Medina has anything to say about the environmental consequences or add on to what Chandru has said or agree with the conversation that we've had today? Any summaries? Yeah, and that's great. As Chandru said about the eco-labeling and the laws being passed in France over the last month. So um, that's a big win. And hopefully that continues into other legislations and countries around the world and that sets a precedent um, because it's absolutely necessary um, and so yeah if this can snowball into further actions um, that's great because of course um, independent labels um, such as uh, yeah such as tree forest studios so um, my label 
with an online boutique, um, our small step at the moment with the project is we create locally, so in the UK, and um, half of the collection purely in London and hand-finished, um, but we always want to do better. And currently we do contribute uh, 21 trees uh, being planted for each scarf that is purchased because we want them to last a lifetime. And of course, trees, forests, we want them to last um, many generations. Um, but of course, th there are so many challenges. Of course, nothing's a, a perfect solutions, but that's our contribution so far. And um, we wish to grow and improve from there. So even on our site, we have a little survey feedback asking directly our um, fans, our, our clients, well, what can we do better? What do you think about what we're doing? So like this, I think this has been a great discussion. So thank you for inviting me, Bukola. You know, how can we improve? And, you know, oh. how can we integrate synthetics into into the future in a healthy way? How can we recycle yeah. them better? Yeah, it's been a great contribution from you again, Medina. I'm glad you could make Thank you. Um, yes, Andrew, you wanted to say something? Yeah, just one omission in our discussion today is obviously price and cost. Uh, just to give you a, another metric to mull over, uh, cotton currently trades at double the price of polyester. So, again, that notion that we phase out plastics and everything goes organic. Someone's got to go to hundreds of millions of customers around the world and tell them that the price of their garments has just doubled overnight. So we can't forget about the socioeconomic impact of going organic as well. Now, it's not a get-out-of-jail card for synthetics and polyesters. They must do better. But we can't forget that sustainability is also affordability. And if ultimately what we're doing is telling people they can't afford clothing anymore, uh, I think that's going to cause a whole bunch of other challenges. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. That's, uh, that's the thing that um, the price point um, is why Inditex, um, fast retailing, all those groups, even PVH, they have reigned supreme because they know um, that they get just the right price point where um, demand meets supply and the the clients are used to it and customer behavior responds to that very well. So it's about evolving from it's very interesting true. That you guys, it's interesting that you guys say that. I think um, Clementina added in the comments that we need to buy less and buy smart. And I wonder, since Samuel's our luxury man, um, if he, what he feels about that. So I just wanted to throw that in. And then Chandru, it's over to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, uh, you know, <laughs> luxury man, that's so, that's so kind. I think I'm, I want to have that <laughs> something or, or, uh, engraved. Um, the, the way, at least in, in, in my country, um, we treat the idea of, um, handwork and, and, and craftsmanship as kind of just manual labor and therefore not worthy of, um, being, uh, highly regarded is, um, you know, I think a huge detriment to people taking it upon themselves to rework their own clothing or to learn how to do that or to 
find someone who can, because ultimately also there aren't many people who can do that work um, because of the way we don't teach that uh, and, and respect it. Um, or, and then on, on the converse, you know, it's, it's so highly respected that, um, you know, that the people charge, uh, you know, very exorbitant amount of money to, to, you know, be a dressmaker or a tailor. And, you know, um, that's a supply and demand thing. And so if, if we made more of an effort to um, bring, you know, bring out sewing machines and, you know, learn how to use patterns and, and have, you know, sort of that, uh, you know, sort of a, a war mentality of, you know, make more with less uh, rationing kind of idea, you know, where you're empowered to do these things. I think that, um, you know, we, we can help mitigate that, uh, that socioeconomic gap wherein um, somebody, you know, can produce something beautiful um, and, you know, and feel confident wearing it or, you know, the, the, there, someone makes something for their mother or their mother, you know, a mother makes something for so-and-so or, or a father is knitting something else for so, you know, it's just the, the idea that we can be producers and we can also be the recyclers uh, or upcyclers or, you know, reinventors um, is one that I think, you know, could go very far. So. Uh... I need to applaud that, uh, Samuel, that is so profound because the reality is, all our garments in our cupboards are probably made from resources that should have been kept for future generations because we're over-consuming. And the reality is the least we can do is keep on finding second lives and third lives and fourth lives for what we have and not buy new stuff that has deplete resources. But what I just wanted to end with, Bukola and Radina, yeah. no pressure. You know, as a young designer, I think the nirvana to all of this uh, and you might have might be following the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and what they're doing on circular fibers. The trick to this is working out how to design a garment that can be dismantled at end of life and have a second life. So no pressure, Radina. Just save us all and just make it happen. <laughs> Thank you, Chandru. I think that is definitely a big challenge. Um, I think we definitely need to have more conversations on this. There's so many um, interesting points and direction that needs to be taken after this conversation. I feel like um, the conversation that you're, um, the, the point that you made, Andrew, about um, the, the design, de having the end of life in mind as you design products is really key thing. And then also the idea of educating the consumer and helping them get through the minefield. The Sustainable Fashion Podcast is in partnership with the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. <laughs>